a listener production. Hi, and welcome back to Broadsheet Melbourne Around Town. I'm Katja Vaktul, Broadsheet's editorial director and the host of this 10-minute guide to Melbourne. Hobart's iconic midwinter festival, Dark Mofo, is back for its 10th year in June. It's two weeks of music, art, food and drink, performance and a whole lot of debauchery. Music and culture journalist and broadsheet editor Marcus Teague is a long-time Dark Mofo attendee and he's here to walk us through this year's program. Welcome, Marcus. It's true. You've been every year that Dark Mofo has occurred. Except for 2021. Yes, I was stuck in Victoria, despite the best intentions of Mofo and myself. Um, who, who tried to get you across the water. They did. There was a lot of paperwork. I was uh, locked and loaded and um, negative, ready to go with my plane ticket, and I couldn't get across, and I was furious. For those who might not have been to Dark Mofo or really don't know what it's about, can we go back to that first Dark Mofo that you attended and just describe what it was like and and I guess what they were going for because, and you'll know better than anyone else, has that changed in the last, you know, nine, ten years? Yeah, the first one that happened and the first I went to, therefore, was 2013. I feel really, really lucky that I got to go that because it was both the organisers themselves not knowing what was going to happen and anyone who went not knowing what was going to happen And a lot of people didn't even know it was on, for example. So it was a weird mix of a lot of local people in Hobart and Tassie coming out to see what was going on, to see what, you know, this weird festival that was connected to Mona, what was happening. It was people like me coming down going, all right, I guess I'll come down and see what's happening. Like, what the hell? And then, you know, just kind of getting there and it's like, okay, um, we've got this thing at the docks and you get there and it's like a trestle table with a waiver form saying, hey, you can go in here, but if you sign it, like not sure what will happen and like just as long as you don't have any kind of medical issues then yeah sure go in it's like all right i guess i'm going to do that because that's what i'm here for um so it was this mix of kind of big names big thinking uh in terms of kind of who they were trying to get on the program but also not really the infrastructure around it definitely in the same way that it was and it was a little bit more kind of ad hoc like random fires in bins in places. You go to the after party and people are breaking in and getting in for free because there's no fences around it. And like a little bit more of like, we're just putting a bunch of stuff on and let's see what happens. And so the change between then and now, there's still that sense of kind of a slight sense of anarchy. Like I think one of the excellent things about Dark Mofo is that the bigger it's gotten and it is huge now, obviously, it still has managed to retain a, at least a sense of that anarchy through the ages, like some years more successful than others. Do you um, feel it really is a, a kind of a music and arts festival that doesn't have an equivalent elsewhere? 100%. It's easy to think now that winter festivals are a thing, but people forget that Dark Mofo was very much the first. There wasn't like you know, Winter Festival in Adelaide and Sydney and that sort of stuff. Like it really was kind of re-educating people that, hey, we're going to embrace how goddamn cold it is down here. The first year it's like I'm wearing thermals under my jeans to go and see, go to a dance party sort of thing. For those who don't know, Marcus has written a recap of Dark Mofo every year since inception for Broadsheet and for other publications as well. And it's kind of become one of those things that if you attend the festival, then you rush home to find out what Marcus has said about it. So he really knows the festival. It's Lee Carmichael's 10th and final year. I think it's also worth just going into a little bit about Lee Carmichael, who's been instrumental and I guess inextricably linked to Dark Mofo. Yeah, so Lee Carmichael is the artistic director, creative director, who this year is his last year. 
And yeah, he's taking off. This is his last one. As I joked in my uh, write-up about it, you know, I think he's leaving the receipts for whoever, whoever's coming in next year because he's gone out of his way to do a bunch of new commissions, night mass, the after party is bigger than ever and is running over five nights. The winter feast is going to be massive. There's a lot in this year's program and I can only half see it as as Lee kind of saying like, you know, you guys can deal with this next year. What are you excited about? You know, I've, I've been lucky in the past. I've been kidnapped and um, sent into, I don't know, on a blindfolded ride and then got sent back to the party and then been handed a photo of me essentially like chained up on gym equipment with a gimp standing behind me that I had no idea about. Yeah, this this year is so much. I, it's it's actually overwhelming, and I suppose that is like a key element of Dark Mofo. It is it's almost intentionally overwhelming for anyone who hasn't gone. That must be very confusing to look at the lineup and also the website, which is classically very hard to navigate. They like to make it difficult. They like to make it difficult. I think that's almost on purpose because if everyone could buy tickets to everything at the same time, you know, boring. Let's They're, start maybe with the music. We've got people like Thundercat bass virtuoso played on Kanye West records that sort of thing punk icons Black Flag who have a singer uh, called Mike Blaley who is an ex pro skateboarder and to the real punk heads uh, they don't think that Black Flag is you know all that anymore but <laughs> we'll soon find out David Lynch collaborator Dean Hurley uh, we've got electronic people like Square Pusher and Trent Moller from Denmark a big one for a lot of people is composer Max Richter who has is doing a couple of performances of Vivaldi's Four Seasons. And also he's doing his famous eight and a half hour sleep composition. So there's a venue down there called Mac 2, which is essentially just a large kind of space, I suppose, on the docks. And it holds a lot of excellent performances. That's where it's going to be. I think there's however many beds. You Part of your ticket is you get a bed and you get to sleep there. So you bring your jammies and then I assume a toothbrush and that sort of stuff. And then you lie down and essentially listen to and or go in and out of consciousness to this performance that, of, of um, Max Richter. And uh, and a, it's actually uh, eight hours long. It's eight and a half hours long. Right. Yep, goes from 11 o'clock, I think, is when you arrive and it finishes at 8 a.m. in the morning. You have to do that one. That feels like that's your, the lead of your recap. Well, I keep thinking that and then I keep thinking, imagine getting that gig and then you're just really tired in the lead up and like, what if you pass out half an hour in? Is there anything else kind of worth mentioning that is not part of the regularly scheduled programming? Well, just to touch on one of the art things, one thing I'm really excited about is there's an Austrian artist called Florentina Holtzinger, and she's doing an exclusive performance of a divine comedy. What it is, it's a large-scale two-hour arena show at My State Bank Arena, which is a, a large arena there, um, sports arena, that sort of thing. And it consists of 17 female performers, motocross, wood chopping, nudity, and bodily fluids. And I'm very excited about that one. I feel like bodily fluids is mentioned quite a lot in captions about dark mofo events. What about those things that happen every year, which I think are sometimes the events that people come back for? So the winter feast, the solstice swim, mm -hmm. they're great and they're fun every year. Mm -hmm. There's one thing that's back this year that has kind of been on and off over the years, which is essentially kind of like a big ball where people get up dressed very fancily. It's called the Blue Rose Bowl this year, and it's often in kind of an undisclosed location, often sets off the festival in the early kind of stages of it. People dress up, wear masks, get weird, that sort of stuff. That is a ticketed event. But then there's also, yes, the Winter Feast, which is awesome, which you do also buy tickets for, but I think it's only 15 bucks or something like that. There's amazing food and drink there. It's kind of the fulcrum around where everyone like heads out to kind of, you know, 
eat and get ready before going out to other things at, at night. And that's excellent. That's just by Salamanca Place down on the docks. I'm always trying to get the hot donuts there and they always sell out very quickly. So fingers crossed for this year. There's also the Oga Oga, which is uh, essentially a large sculpture often in takes the form of a spirit animal. And throughout the festival, people write their fears on a piece of paper and put it in this thing. And then at the end of the festival, it gets marched through the streets and then set on fire at Macquarie Point. And that's always quite exciting because everyone loves fire, especially on a large scale, but in a controlled environment. And then there's also the nude solstice swim, which I've never done. I'm ashamed to say. I know. I think as a reporter, I need to be there to see what's happening from a respectful distance. I'm surprised to hear you haven't done what's become one of the iconic moments of the festival. It's true. I feel guilty and a bit silly for not doing it. Uh, so do you think this is the year? I don't know. Look, it's really early in the morning and I'm typically up quite late throughout the festival. How early? So I think it's a, you know, it's a dawn. So you need to be there, I think, roughly, you know, 5, 5.30, which means getting up at 4, 4.30. Some people do stay awake all night. Perhaps that's an avenue I could explore. Um, but also, you know, I've been working on it you know, going to the festival a while now and I know a lot of the people and maybe not ready for that stage of our relationship where they see me run screaming into the freezing Derwent River. You've been a lot. It is quite an overwhelming thing when you look at the program and you look at the site and you think, well, where do I start? Hmm. Do you have advice for people on on how to go about kind of booking and working out what they want to do and mm-hmm. how much time they should be spending there? I think it's helpful to think about it in terms of precincts, first of all, because you look at the program, there's a whole bunch of stuff, especially if you haven't been, you just kind of know vaguely that it's in Hobart, but not when and how and that sort of stuff. And so maybe the quickest download is to know that it happens at a couple of key venues in Hobart. For example, there's the In the Hanging Garden, which is where Night Mass happens, and that encompasses a bunch of venues like a theatre and a bar and that sort of stuff. So there's that. There's Mac 2, which is a big performance space on the water. There's Dark Park at Macquarie Point, which is just around the corner from Mac 2. And then there's the Winter Feast at Princess Wharf. And they're kind of the key locations, and they're all within literally like a 10-minute walk. So the, one of the fun things about Dark Mofo is you go to Hobart, and it's almost like camp. You know, you bump into people because everyone's walking everywhere. Outside of those key venues, there's a lot of little smaller satellite venues and a lot of those are local galleries like Good Grief and the Contemporary Art Tasmania. So you can just keep bouncing around and either you're, you've got a ticket and you're on your way to somewhere or you see literally a red light on somewhere and there'll be a little kind of like the Dark Mofo logo outside so you know that's a venue. So you go in and wander it wander in, have a look. Can you book a flight to Hobart and turn up or would you recommend making sure you've got some tickets to a few events first? Yeah, you can definitely go without tickets and have a pretty great time, especially if you want to spend 15 bucks to get into the Winter Feast and it's just that. You can go to see a bunch of free stuff. There's always sort of auxiliary stuff happening, like venues that aren't involved in MoFo will have parties and that sort of stuff. So you can definitely go down and have an awesome time, see a bunch of free art and eat at the Winter Feast and have a, have a good one. If you are going to buy a couple of tickets, Night Mass is always a great one. That's the after party and that's the one that encompasses a whole bunch of venues, has so many people and bands and stuff on at. That's almost like a Disneyland of Dark Mofo that you can drop into. So the festival runs from June 8 to June 22. So that happens three nights of Night Mass over the first weekend, two nights of Night Mass over the second weekend. I recommend anyone kind of work a weekend into their stay because that's kind of when a lot of things really kick off. Monday and Tuesday are usually pretty quiet. 
Um, so if you can go to Nightmass, maybe get a ticket for something else. A lot of things as is customer already sold out at Dark Mofo. Um, I think part of the Mofo experience is also just bumping into people and getting a real dive into Hobart and what it does and being cold and kind of like making friends with a bunch of randoms, you know, wearing light up horns or nothing at all, that sort of thing. One of the things I love about going there and also writing about it is the longer you stay there, the more kind of parallels you can see between things like there might be a feeling at one gig that you somehow connect two days later to like an art exhibit that you see. And Dark Mofo itself, I think one of the reasons that people love it so much is you come away with this kind of hole. You come away with this overarching feeling where all those tickets and the person playing and the art thing you saw are just little components of. Mm. And that is kind of why I keep going back. You know, I'll come back sometimes and people will be like, oh, how was Neil's farm? I'd be like, yeah, that was awesome. But it was also about the whiskey you had beforehand and finding that cupboard that had the disco ball in it that you stayed in till 3 a.m. You know, that's part of the experience as well. Yeah. And you kind of really can't articulate it unless you go down there. Well, we are going to have to get you back after you've been to hear the 10th um, Marcus Teague recap of the Dark Mofo experience. Dark Mofo 2023 runs from June 8th to 22 this year. Thank you, Marcus, for joining us. No worries. Thanks, Katja. That's it for today. You can stay completely up to date at any moment of any day at broadsheet.com.au or on Instagram at broadsheet underscore Mel. I'll be back again on Monday. Same time, same place. Chat then. Listener.